Apostolic Church. I'm Brother Matt Blair. It's good to see you this morning. Today we're concluding our series called Decades. In the series we've been uh, taking a look at life today and life when you grew up. And we've covered the teens who are growing up now, the 20s, who grew up in the 2000s, the 30s who grew up in the 90s, the 40s who grew up in the 80s, and the 50-plus. I know some of you are deeply offended that I added the 50s in with everyone else above you. Feels wrong, doesn't it? I almost feel cheated. But we're going to take a look today what it means to live in the 50, 50s and beyond. And so we're looking back for just a moment at what life looked like in the 70s and 60s and 50s. That's when you grew up. Think about what took place. You had incredible racial divides. You had several, several different conflicts and wars, Vietnam and Korea. You had John F. Kennedy, and then you lost him. And whether you liked his politics or not, many of you knew or know right where you were. You remember hearing the news when the, when the news came out that he had been killed. You grew up in an interesting time. If you grew up in the 70s, this was the years of radical transformation. Now, we can argue on how that got started and who, was the, uh, who were the guilty party collectively, what generation caused the 70s revolt. But the truth is, there was a great revolt. The church hadn't revolted yet. The church was still very much, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, very much traditional. It was countercultural. I remember going to church at West Tulsa Free Will Baptist Church. Uh, it, I was born in 78, so I caught the end of it. I don't remember those two years, but I do remember the 80s. But the church was, was really trying to be, in some respects, countercultural to the free love movement. I'm not sure exactly what birthed that. Some, some sociologists and some researchers believe that it was the 50s and 60s and revolt that took place behind closed doors that led to the all-out revolt of the 70s in the public square. I don't know. You grew up in those ages. You know what went on behind closed doors. But these were the transformation or the, or the formative years that you grew up in. And so if you grew up in the 50s and 60s and 70s and maybe even in the 40s for some of you, um, I applaud you. You've made it a long way. I know that sounds offensive. And it's meant to. Uh, You're old. I don't know any other way to say it. You're, you're half a century or more. And, and we, can try to, we can try to make that sound something that it's not, but, but you've reached an incredible milestone at 50 and, and beyond. I remember just this last week, I, I, was, I flew to Oregon. I was able to do a wedding in, in Portland, Oregon. It was beautiful there. If you ever get a chance to go to Oregon, go to Oregon. It is incredible. 
I drove for three hours around Mount Hood. And uh, we, we flew into Denver, and it was a short flight of about an hour, and then from Denver on into Portland, and made that trip again on Tuesday. It was interesting. As we made the trip flying, I remember both coming and going, I remember um, hearing the captain speak. At takeoff, he gave us some instructions. We're getting ready to take off, and he gave us a forecast into what we were to expect into Denver and then into Portland. And I remember about 30 minutes into the flight from Tulsa to, to Denver, I remember, I remember this, this sensation where we had, we had reached the pinnacle of the flight, some 30,000 feet, and then the, 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 the engines kind of throttled back a bit. And the captain said, uh, we are now in our descent. The truth is that, that the 50s, they're much like that throttling back. And I'll explain why in just a moment. Now, now that doesn't mean years of ineffective standby. Just the opposite. I'll show you why being 50 plus may be the most important period of time in your journey. I'll show you why in just a moment. But you're on the final descent. And you can look at that and be offended by that and you can be upset at that. Or you can embrace it. I, I, I already told you that you're old, and I know that's offensive. And, but I don't know if you realize just, just what it looks like really to, to get old. And so I thought I would have Chuck Burton come and help me for a moment. <laughs> Share with you about when you get old. I knew where they was at. You know you're getting old when you stoop to tie your shoelaces and wonder what else you should go ahead and do while you're down there. (laughs) You know you're getting old when (laughs) the candles cost more than the cake. You know you're getting old when all the names in your black book have M.D. after them. You know you're getting old when you go to more funerals than you do weddings. You know you're getting old when everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. You know you're getting old when your mind makes contracts your body can't meet. You know you're getting old when you sit in a rocking chair and you can't get it going. You know, you're getting old when you sink your teeth into a steak and they stay there. You know you're getting old when you have too much room in the house and not enough in the medicine cabinet. You know you're getting old when you... (laughs) Let me start over. You know you're getting old when you... (laughs) Quit trying to hold your stomach in no matter who walks in the room. (laughs) (laughs) This next one really hurts. 
You know you're getting old when you're proud of your lawnmower. <laughs> you know you're getting old when you enjoy hearing about other people's operations. You know you're really getting old when you dream about prunes. <laughs> and you know you're getting old when your tie doesn't come to the top of your pants. So if any of those register, know where you are. What does it mean to cross the 50 threshold? While we may laugh and joke about what it means to, to grow old, to age, the Bible has a lot to say about aging. So as you enter into the 50s, in 60s and 70s, there's a couple of things you need to understand from Scripture. Number one, Proverbs teaches us that gray head or gray hair is a crown of glory. I know that we often try to color it away, but the truth is to reach the age where the body begins to change and the hair begins to gray is actually celebrated in Scripture. I know that we live in the youth-crazed society and generation. We tend to worship the, the, uh, the beauty and the, the talents of the young. We have America's Got Talent. We have, I won't know for how much longer, American Idol. I know it's kind of wrapped up, but I'm sure that like every good series, it'll be back. American, uh, America, or American Idol had a cap, didn't it, on how young you, you had to be to be able to perform. I think they made one exception. The older guy in the song, Pants on the Ground, <laughs> or on the Floor. In American culture, we celebrate youth and, and we, we tend to, to shy away from or shun at some level the aging. Why? It's not always been the case. Actually, in the Jewish culture, many centuries ago, the sage was the one celebrated. For the sage had been there and done that and had wisdom and experience for someone younger to capture, to leverage. I, I, I would suggest to you, church, today that, that we would do ourselves a huge favor as a church and as a society to return to the days when the sage is celebrated and respected. That's right. When you turn 50 or thereabouts, you take on a new sense, a new, a new season in your life. We've laughed about the, the bodily changes that take place but the truth is, you're seen different in society, and for very good reasons. David tells us in Psalm 90, verse number 10, that the, the, the life of a man, or the span of years of a man, is about 70 years. And if you're really strong, you can live to be 80. He couldn't have envisioned in his day and time 90 or 100, because it was just so exceptional and out there that no one hardly lived that long. 
The average age today in America is, the average uh, life expectancy in America is like 78. So if you're 50 plus, a couple of decades to go. But what does scripture have to say about these years? While we've laughed and joked a lot about what it looks like to age, you need to know also that the average age of the CEO in America is 56. Take that, 20-somethings. You don't get to be in charge yet, unless you're Mark Zuckerberg. But who else, right? What is it about moving into the 50s and 60s and 70s? What is it about these seasons and these decades that are so important to understand? So if that's you today, I want to speak to you from, from Scripture from Titus specifically, we'll get there in just a second. If you are younger than 50 here today, I hope that you listen to this because this is your future. This is what's coming along the way for your journey. If you look into scripture, one of the things that becomes glaringly obvious is that, the, that, the, that the, those who are called are uh, uh, elders, and I don't mean elders in the sense of the church, but I mean those who are older, They have a specific responsibility. If you're writing things down, I want you to write down this. That the 50s and beyond are about legacy. The 50s and beyond are about legacy. When you reach 50-something, you begin to ponder this stage of life. When you get into your 60s and 70s, this is absolutely true as well. But but there's something really sobering about understanding that, that these are the years where you are, you are, in essence, on the final descent. Now, what are we descending into? That's a really important question, isn't it? Because if you hear those words, it's almost discouraging, like, like, like oh, great. I'm on the downward hill. Scripture paints a different picture for you, and so lest we get, we get offended by the downward descent, it's actually the downward descent into life after life. Like, think about this for a moment. Like, it just gets better. Remember, you're on the U-curve. And you, you might be aging in years, but you're growing in happiness. Your kids are gone. You have grandkids. I don't understand in any way what... You have grandkids. I don't understand in any way what... Like you were with your kids. And I'm offended. My dad is totally different. There's something wrong about that. You're in this season where you've spent all of the previous years applying incredible effort to reach whatever the pinnacle looks like. You have had thrusters almost full board on to climb that ladder, that social ladder, that economic ladder, that, that, that business ladder, that corporate ladder. You've climbed and climbed and climbed, and now there's a sense in the 50s and beyond that all of that effort has culminated in these moments where you... you you reach a pinnacle and you get to enjoy the benefits of all those years of hard labor. That's a good season, my friend. 
One of the things that happens in these years, though, is that all that you've worked for in the previous years, now you can leverage for a very different reason. For a long period of time, it was for you and your family. You had kids to feed. And if you've been in your 40s, you know that one teenager in the house or three teenagers in the house basically bankrupt you because you spend all of your money on food. And they're gone now, and there's a little extra cash maybe, and there's a little extra time. Your evenings are a little freer than they used to be, maybe. What do you do with that? I want you to understand something as a 38-year-old. I want you to understand something if you're 50-plus. I need you. We, the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, we need you. Let me me explain to you what that looks like. I wish that I had a pulpit. You couldn't do that with a pulpit growing up, no way. But for a moment, just imagine a pulpit. Reverend Blair unpacking the Word. Titus chapter 2. Now, this is going to be a little bit conflicting this morning as I read this passage of Scripture for just a couple of minutes. This is the New International Version. Forgive me. It was not written until 19, or not translated until 1984. I looked through my office. I actually don't have a King James Version Bible. But I'm going to throw in a vow just for fun. Is that okay? Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy is a pastor. Timothy is not yet in the years of aging in the 50 plus. It's clear to me that Timothy is a little bit younger. I'm sorry, Titus is a little bit younger. It's clear to me that Paul is is, is needing to instruct Titus on what those who would be 50 plus would need to be doing with their life and their time. These are the years to live out the gospel in a very unique way, unlike you've been able to do it in previous years. It's clear to me as you study Titus chapter 2 that Paul understands that those who have been there and done that, they have a legacy to leave. They have a wisdom and experience that the younger generation desperately needs, and if that information is not passed on then there will be a gap in a transfer of critical information. Now, Paul encourages Timothy to be someone who hands off the gospel to the next generation, entrust it to reliable men so that they too might entrust it in the future to reliable men. Do you see the necessary handoff involved? And if one generation skips the handoff, the next generation suffers because it was not handed off correctly. The gospel must be handed off over and over and over again. And the handoff needs to happen in a certain way. Now, Titus gives us a picture through Paul to this pastor. He gives us a picture of what needs to take place in the life of a 50-something and plus so that the legacy might be handed off, so that the next generation might be able to continue to run and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so notice what Paul says to Titus. In verse number one, it won't be on your screen because they didn't preach from a TV screen back then. I want to read it to you from Scripture. 
Paul says to Titus, you must teach, verse 1, what is in accord with sound doctrine. That is, Titus, you have a responsibility to tell those in your audience, those who are in the body of Christ, you need to teach them this incredibly important doctrinal truth. What is it? Verse number 2, teach the older men to be temperate. Now, Paul is going to give Titus a list of very specific words. These words are critical in the handoff of the gospel. These words are critical in leaving the legacy that Paul sees necessary to be left to the next generation. And so 50-somethings, I hope you listen. Paul says that older men should be temperate. Now, now ladies, hold on for a minute. My sisters in Christ, hold on for a moment. You're coming next. You're next in the text. But guys, fellas, my brothers... It's your turn. Be temperate. The Greek word translated temperate, because you have to do Greek today, means sober. It literally means to stop drinking so much. Isn't that interesting that Paul would start in talking about older men to say, hey, hey, lay off, lay off the wine. Why? Because Paul understands that as we grow in age, the things of this world become less desirable, or at least they should, in light of what is to come. And the younger generation who is desperately seeking to find all kinds of fulfillment in this world that's not there, by the way, need to see a pattern in those who are older, a pattern that is different than what they're living. The youngers live at a crazy pace. The, youngers are, the, young, the younger generations are, are seeking to find something in this life that they can grasp onto. And the older generations, by leaving this legacy and handing off the gospel, let's go of the wine just a bit. That is to say, they, they let go of those things that they may have been attached to so tightly before because they're looking forward to something greater than what there is to offer here. They're temperate. They're not given to, to much wine. He goes on to say in the text that they are worthy of respect. The word translated worthy of respect is grave. It's lost its translation. All we know as grave in our society is literally the grave. And that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not saying get ready for the grave. Paul is saying to be one who has earned the ability to speak into the lives of the younger generations. My grandpa, Mac, was one of the most influential uh, persons in my life. I look like him. Um, I've got the Kinsey nose and the Kinsey ears. My grandpa was balding. I'm not sure how the heredity cycle goes, but my grandpa had just a few hairs across the top of his head. And he had great wisdom. Um... For years, I did not know who I looked like. I thought that I might have been adopted and my parents played a trick on me. Because I looked at my pictures and I could not see myself in anyone else. And I remember finding a a photo album. Do you guys remember the albums? Teenagers, you take way more pictures But when you switch phones, you lose most of those pictures, and they're gone forever. 
The 50s plus, they took pictures and printed them off and put them in albums to be cherished forever. You're smart. Well done. I looked at a picture of my grandpa Mac when he was in his 20-somethings, and I was like, that's me. He was patient. I was a spaz. I would get my fishing line so tangled up and caught up in a ball and a mess, and he would spend an hour untangling it. I'd be like, and then I'd run off and do something else and come back and just. He just lived at a different pace. He, he recognized that there was something greater to this life than just keeping up with the running with everyone else. He, he, was tim- he was worthy of respect. He conducted his life in such a way that I wanted to learn from him. I wanted to know what he knew. I wanted to understand life through his eyes. Worthy of respect. Sober-minded. It means self-controlled. It is that you don't lose yourself when everyone else loses their self. Self-control, the next word in the text. And sound in faith. This is good, sound in faith. This picture of sound in faith means that you have studied your word, the word, the Bible, and you are ready to teach that word to the next generation. Fifty plus, you need to hear this this morning. There is among us a biblically illiterate generation Somewhere along the line, we did not hand the gospel well off. And we need you to be in the word, to be studying the word so that you can give us the word, so that you can help us see what it's supposed to look like. That you're sound in faith, that you have, you have this relationship with God that is based on this incredible person, Jesus, and you are modeling it before us. Not perfectly, but you're ready to speak about it. In love, that is in charity, agape, that is in this unconditional sense of acceptance. We need you to accept us when we do dumb. And we need you to help us understand what it looks like to work through that marriage problem that that doesn't work. We need you to say, oh gosh, I remember. Gosh, I remember. I remember so well I went through that. I remember having three kids in the home. Oh my gosh. Here's what what I need from you more than anything else. I need you to say, you're going to make it. I need you to mentor me in this life. My prayer is this, that as our church moves forward, that we, that we embrace a mentor ministry that says that we value everything you have to offer and you find others within this ministry to pour yourself into. That you would be prayerfully speaking to God on the behalf of someone. That you would... That you would Come alongside of a teenager. Come alongside of a 20-something. Come alongside of a 30-something and say, let me tell you about life in these ages, in these seasons. I've been there and done that. This is what Paul has in mind as he talks to Titus about what older men can do. And then in endurance, this idea of being patient. You see the picture? Brad Sprague, one of our coaches at Solace Church, says this, that he desires for every one of us 
to have an unanxious presence. Isn't that good? That you have traveled this journey and you're not perfect, but you have seen God's faithfulness over and over again and you are able to share with us what his faithfulness looks like. We need you in these years to hand that off. He goes on to say in the text, and I'll conclude with this, he goes on to say in the text, likewise, ladies, listen, teach older women to be reverent in the way that they live. Reverent in the way that they live. How does that look? What does the gospel being handed off look like for the ladies in our church who are 50 plus? What does that look like as you enter into these seasons? You're not finished at all. Your influence will not diminish, it will increase. The opportunity to minister, the opportunity to love doesn't go down in these years, it goes up exponentially. You are positioned like none other to make a difference in the life of the younger women of our church and of our community and of our cities and of our schools. Likewise, teach older women, verse 3, to be reverent in the way that they live, not to be slanderers. You know the Greek word translated slander here is diabolos? It's where we get our word devil. I don't know if you know this or not, but ladies like to sit around and talk. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that or not. And sometimes the conversation can get carried away and you can become all kinds of gossipy and all kinds of, I'm going to make up a word, slandery. My Aunt Pat... It was well into this season of her life. I'm not, sure I've nev- I'm not sure I've ever heard her be critical of another person. Does she have a reason to? You bet. She had lots of reasons to. But she had an unanxious presence, trusting that God is faithful, and she spoke life. <laughs> not to be a slanderer. This was funny to me that Titus needs to tell women not to be addicted to much wine. It seems like it's a man problem that men have to get over this. But Paul felt the need to speak to Titus about ladies laying off the alcohol as well. Interesting. What does that mean? It literally means stop drinking so much. But it also means having a presence about you that says, I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the world to come. And I want to order my life in such a way that I can show you that there is life beyond this life that is worth getting ready for. But to teach what is good. (laughs) All right, this is going to be offensive and I'm done. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children. That's not offensive yet. But that is so good. 50 plus, you need to hear this. There are a lot of younger women out there who are struggling to love their husbands right now. Because their husbands haven't grown up. And they need you to show them how to love their husband when he is very unlovable. They need you to say, I've been there, done that. And they need you to cry with them. And they need you to pray with them. And they need a hug and a kiss on the cheek and a pat on the hand to say, we are with you. To be self-controlled and pure. 
That is, again, to have, have a sense of an unanxious presence, to have a sense that God is in charge and he is very much working. And to be pure. That is to not be tainted by this world that so easily taints us. That, that's an offering you can give to younger women. And then the, uh, the offensive part, to be busy at home. I thought about skipping that part. Because we live in a generation that says you can't be busy at home, you have to be busy in the world, making your career and getting yourself out there. And this is, you know, this is a this has been a man's world, but now we're in a woman's world, right? And what Paul says is no, 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 no. There's a value. <laughs> There's a value in a woman understanding how she uniquely can provide for things in the home. And you get a chance to show them what that looks like. Conclude with this. He goes on to say this, to be subject to their husbands. I am going to skip that one. No, I'm not. We're out of time. Ladies, my sisters in Christ, There are some marriages in our church that are so out of order and dysfunctional. There is some great value in you honoring your husband so that they can see how to honor their husband. And then Paul concludes by saying this, so that no one would malign the word of God. That is to say, that you live out the gospel best when you transfer the gospel from one generation to the next in such a way that we can see you in love with Jesus and anxious before him, teaching us, training us, and equipping us so that we can live out the gospel in our own generation. I want to do this this morning as we conclude the series. Do do you know how far we've come? Do, Do you know how far we've come? We went from skinny jeans... to bell bottoms that's pretty good we went from skinny jeans to hymns from teenagers who have no idea what in the world they're supposed to be doing to mentors who offer a sense of the presence of God with wisdom with words of life Here's what I want us to do today. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes because I want to pray for you. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible as you listen to this message today that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast. 